Welcome to Garbage of the Five Rings, a podcast covering the numerous health code violations of L5R. I'm one of your hosts, Amelia Antrim, and today my co-host Jude Vase and I wonder why one of Totori's edicts wasn't to develop some kind of health department. Corrections and non-apologies. Corrections and non-apologies. We are perfect. Uh, if we made a mistake, we did not make a mistake. Uh, someone made. You should apologize to us for even thinking we would make a mistake. Right. Uh, someone else gave us bad information, and you're wrong for thinking that we would have intentionally said something incorrectly. Uh, we do not apologize <laughs> for any of this situation, and uh, we will humbly accept your apology for slandering <laughs> us in this way. Uh, you can email us or write to us at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but don't fucking add us. Yeah, I believe that is also one of our policies. <laughs> this whole intro is just for us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, wait. Oh, sorry. This whole podcast is just for us. Uh, yep. Announcements. Um, we will be at a catacon. That's right. In scenic, beautiful downtown Dayton, Ohio. I like Dayton, November Ohio. 8th through the 10th. What? I kind of like Dayton. Okay. In the words of my therapist, why the fuck are you going to Dayton? <laughs> I live in Ohio, so maybe Dayton just seems feels familiar. Maybe if if Dayton feels familiar, I am so sorry, buddy. Because fine, who boy? Uh, yeah, we're gonna be at a catacon. A catacon's great. If you have never been to a con, a catacon's a great first con because it is small and welcoming. Uh, if you go to a lot of big fucking cons like Gen Con, you should also go to a catacon because it is small and more intimate, welcoming, and welcoming. Um. <laughs> Yeah, a catacomb is a con everyone should go to. Uh, we'll be there, and we're doing a panel. We are doing a panel. It's gonna be so bad. It's it is a. It was like the third stupidest idea we, that we had for a panel. Yeah, I, that's dear listeners. Uh, if you look at the event registration for a catacomb, you see our event and think, "What the fuck?" Please know that this was not our worst idea. No, no, this was. Like the third down from the top of the list, at least. We had several terrible ideas, and only the fact that both of us have at least one other podcast and kids and jobs prevented us from inflicting worse ideas on you. Oh, yeah. We would have, oh, God, the terrible things we would have done if we didn't have full time jobs. Yeah. <laughs> so, with that stirring recommendation please come to our panel yes um in the words of tom why did we approve that (laughs) how did that one get through the filter yeah so that'll be that should be interesting Uh, i wouldn't go so i wouldn't stretch it to say fun but it should be interesting fun for us um we did i did put a link to uh the academy website in the show notes uh the tickets are you can still get tickets and i know event registration starts um started the saturday before this comes out yeah um but they're pretty cheap too i think it's like 50 bucks for the weekend or something yeah. and i'm not I concerned about our panel selling out so you've got plenty of time to get in on that mm-hmm. i did pick the largest room we could get so <laughs> that's bold that's bold <laughs> bold i know it was i mean the largest room was like 30 people or something yeah. um hey hey so far we've sold Two tickets. Yeah, to two of I mean, my it friends. Cost, it also, it does not cost anything to attend this panel. That's good. <laughs> I have so much editing to do. No, leave it in. Leave all this in. Just kidding. I know every episode, there's something like, I'm going to edit that out. I don't. Yeah. All right. Casey, leave it in. The episode. <laughs> to the episode. 
Okay. That's right. We have to actually talk about L5R, don't we? Oh, my God. What a bummer. All right. Uh, once again, we return to the helpful, air quotes, uh, background information provided by the Hidden Emperor Fictions, giving us some context for where Rokugan is as time passes in the Emerald Empire. All right. So I'm going to read this and you're going to have to listen to it. Nearly four months have passed with no sign of Emperor Tatori's return. Hope grows slim and accusations run rampant in the imperial court. The treaties of peace between the clans become a fragile boundary, easily broken by a harsh word. The rising tides of ambition and loyalty threaten to crush the empire in an iron grasp. The silent mountains of the dragon, once known for their peaceful solitude, have become hosts to an armed legion of Naga warriors, bound for blood at any cost and giving no reason for their treachery. As if the loss of the Emperor were not tidings dark enough, news of the death of the Emerald Champion has spread like wildfire throughout the Jade Empire. The Crab Armies, once allied with the traitorous Naga, but now left to defend themselves, have become trapped within the ancient Haruma Palace. Around them, the hordes of the Shadowlands gather, eager to begin their revenge upon one of the thunders that destroyed their leader. Meanwhile, the borders of the minor clans have become filled with strife and warfare, as the clans beneath Yoritomo's control seek a common goal in warring against each other. Despite the powerful threat of the Mantis armies, the alliance has erupted into petty mercenary behavior. The Brotherhood, once powerful behind their ancient leader, have now retired to the solitude of their temples. But no longer. Gathered behind the collective banner of the Son of Tagashi and the New Tao, the monks have joined the battle in the Dark Mountains. Their oath to restore peace conflicts with the need, their need to combat the shadows of darkness. And in the end, a brother's blood must be met with a fire of revenge. Fuck this is long. The empire that Tutori struggled to reforge is on the edge of open warfare. The great clans of Rokugan watch the empty throne with covetous eyes, and even now, armies mass on the borders. While the Naga War in the Dragon Lands... And the struggle for the Jade Throne begins, not with rumbling thunder of war, but with the subtle movements of shadows once thought destroyed. Now all that remains is the illusion of peace. Great armies rise in the east, preparing to make their mark upon a weakened empire, and old feuds begin to surface. Even the efforts of the unicorn magistrates, the last bastion of law outside of Odosanuchi, may not be enough to quell the rising tide of revolution. In the dawn of a new age, there are still lingering shadows of the past. So that was a lot longer. Thank you for reading that novel to us. Right? Uh, we'll maybe edit a little bit of that out. We'll see. Um, yeah. I don't know. We'll see how long the episode goes. <laughs> um, so I want to point out a couple things about that real fast here. Mm -hmm. How many times do you think the word shadow came up in there? Uh, too many? Yeah. Just, just throwing that out there. Um, it's a lot. So bear that in mind. Uh, what are we talking about today, Amelia? Uh, today, we are talking about the Mantis clan, uh, what they're up to, what Yoritomo's doing with all his extra used cars. <laughs> We're going to talk about Hitomi, um, who is maybe like stealing souls or something. Yeah, she's been busy. I don't know. She's, she's doing she's, real good. She's doing great. She's opened up her own tattoo parlor. Uh, I'm sure it's going to be fine. Nobody's going to get tetanus. It'll be great. Yeah, I'm sure it's fine. Mm-hmm. Crab, continuing to have a bad time. Good. Uh, as crab do. The dragon. Yeah, so the dragon are having a bad time. 
outside of whatever Hitomi's doing. Um, and then your new segment that you're adding to the show. My, who's missing a face this week? Yeah, yeah. I think this is my third segment I've added to to uh, Hidden Emperor. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, who's missing a face this week? Um, and then I think I, we have one tournament result to talk about as well. Yeah, we got a lot to. We got man, we gotta get going. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know why that made me laugh, but <laughs> oh god. Okay, this oh, editing. This is gonna be. Bitch. Okay. I don't know what you're talking about. We're on top form tonight. Mantis Clan. Should we start there? Yeah, let's do it. Hey, did you know Bayushi Aramura has a son? Uh, no, I did not. Uh, yeah, look again. Once again, Rokugan. Great job parenting. I don't think quality effort. I don't know what it is about L5R just randomly giving people kids. I mean, I do know what it is. It's because they need to print another set of cards and they need new personalities and they need to make you care about that but it's also fucking irritating that they just randomly decide that like oh, yeah he's got a I kid mean, if they're gonna do that can they like m- not make them like adults or like even like teenagers like make them children yeah right because that would make sense instead aramasu is like a full adult or yeah. like a, at least he's a late teenage or a teenager of some kind Old enough to, like, argue with ghosts. Right. So let's talk about this. Let's talk about this. We open on a beautiful beach, <laughs> I think. Is, is he is he flirting know. with an Oni? He's not. You know, it's a real bummer. But he is talking to a ghost. So, okay. Bayushi Aramaro's son, Bayushi Aramasu, is fostered to Yoritomo in exchange for the Mantis clan getting... Uh, getting to control the scorpion lands which i don't really entirely understand how that works because i thought that that was one of taturi's edicts was that they my understanding is that the deal here is that the mantis will protect the scorpion lands they form it they okay. forge a deal you know basically the under their edict the mantis will take over the scorpion lands and protect them so that the other clans don't pillage them so that when the scorpion come back, the mantis will give them back. Yeah. I feel like that's a dumb fucking deal to make with Yoritomo, given that Yoritomo also, is a, like a uh, avaricious asshole. But sure, I'm sure that trading one kid will be enough to seal that deal. Also, it operates on the assumption that the scorpion are coming back. This is now the second time that they have been banished or disbanded or whatever. Are we just putting them on timeout? Like, is that an understood <laughs> thing? Like, that they just have to... Like, you know what? You go over there, think about what you've done. Yeah. Consider the fact that you have killed two emperors. I want you to really just think hard about this. And I want you to come back when you have decided to change your behavior. Yeah. No, I... Uh, yes. I think that is a... <laughs> that is a... I'm asking this game to make sense. I know. No, I think that's a super reasonable objection to to this the only caveat i would put on it is there does seem to be in the fiction a lot of people are a lot of people seem to think that this second one is a little bit suspect like yeah there does seem to be a lot of suspicion around the whether or not this is a legit thing well whether it was even their fault that's what i mean whether or not it was their fault in the first place so i think a lot of people seem to think that this is this one might not stick um fair so i get that they're off on their burning sands timeout yeah 
and the mantis are in charge. The mantis, now a great clan, uh, yeah, are in charge of Scorpion Lands. Well, they're uh, yeah, <laughs> okay. Do you have opinions, dude? I just don't like Yoritomo. We know, we know. You know who else you don't like? Hida Kasada. Yep. But it's okay because he did. <laughs> yep. All right, so let's talk about Armasu. You want to hear? A, Actually, you want to hear a good L5R joke? Okay. Hida Kasada. <laughs> That's the joke. <laughs> Funny, but... I thought it was funny. <laughs> it was funny like six episodes ago. <laughs> We're not even talking about him here. This is like nothing to. Okay, you know what? I'm gonna let it go. Back on. <laughs> Back on track. Bayushi Aramaro's son, Bayushi Aramasu, because names have to be very close. Um. Is on a beach, I think. I feel like I remember that. I don't know why. You know what? Imagine, dear listeners, in your mind, they're on a beautiful beach. Uh, he's talking to a ghost. Yep. This is Baku, who apparently was guarding ambition before Shoju took it. That was his, like, super dead guy job because apparently it is a capitalist society and there's no social safety net and even ghosts are not allowed to retire so you have to spend eternal life guarding a sword. That's what you do now. That sounds legit. So he took that as like his post-human job was um, guarding ambition. It's implied somewhere. I don't remember where I read this. Um, uh, Aramasu I... gets all up in... Um, oh, that's right. He's, that's he, right. he gets super salty with Baku where he says like, oh, you know... Are you really the most noble ghost of the Scorpion Clan, the most dutiful ghost of the Scorpion Clan, or are you the worst ghost of the Scorpion Clan because you 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 were avaricious for the sword, you wanted ambition for yourself, or you wanted you were greedy for it, so you stuck around and hung around the sword not out of duty but because you wanted it, blah blah blah. Right. That's right. He gets into a fight and he's like insulting this ghost and it's like, "Dude, chill out. He's already dead. Don't worry about it." Um but he's got no sword to guard now, so apparently, without a job or other hobbies, he's like, you know what? I'm going to collect some secrets. That's his new ghost job. It's I'm not sure if it's like a temporary posting or a permanent thing, but or like why a ghost has to do this. I don't know if they don't have other scorpions, because they're all in the burning sands, but he's, he's following him around. Yeah. The point is that Aramasu is supposed to be gathering information for the scorpion and reporting back to them that's kind of like the understanding is that they're like sure we'll foster this kid to you and your was like yeah great awesome i get scorpion lands and the scorpions are like Haha, now we have a guy on the inside except that armasu is like real over the scorpion shit yeah he's not into it he thinks that the coup and all of that is a scorpion problem and He's like, Yoritomo's my real dad now, um, and wants to give Yoritomo all the secrets. Yep. Uh, as much as I dislike Aramoro, and I think that the plot of suddenly giving him a son is a lot of horseshit, I actually really like Aramasu as a character. Um, he's not going anywhere, so get familiar with the name. He's going to be around for a while, and his storyline is really good. So... Uh, as much as his 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 introduction into the story is kind of stupid, um, he has a really good storyline. So I'm I was 
I was excited to see his name crop up and I'm looking forward to following him through the story from the beginning. I think my favorite part of this story where we first meet him is that he's telling Scorpion Ghost that he is going to give Yoritomo all of the secrets and he's going to show the Mantis all of the secret passages that the Scorpion built into Phoenix Castle. Yes, yes, this is really good. I like your note about and I this. Just, I just like, I want to circle back. Um, that is some of the most Scorpion bullshit ever. Like, is every castle required to have a scorpion contractor like do they come for well, winter court and start digging under like with spoons from that they stole from the silverware cabinet no, that's a, like, it's a union job so obviously there has to be a, a, a obviously the scorpion have infiltrated the unions so oh is that what it is yeah i think every time there's a dinner party and somebody's like why did the good silverware go missing it's because they're underneath this castle digging tunnels apparently like, why do Scorpion have secret passages in a Phoenix castle? Uh, like, no, I, I, do they have secret passages in everyone's houses? No, I think it's... Are there tunnel, tunnels underneath all of Rokugan connecting each other? Okay, so there, there's two. So we have two competing theories here. One is that the Scorpion are mole men. <laughs> right. And the second is that the Scorpion are... There is that there is a building code which requires Scorpion to be involved in all, build, in all building processes which is inherently corrupt. i don't think that those are mutually exclusive oh fair it could be both could be c all <laughs> of the above three. yeah <laughs> all right well okay and honestly neither of those sounds stupider than anything else in l5r so exactly this is what i'm saying i just want them to like explicitly <laughs> say it somewhere please tell me that the scorpion are actually mole men that's all i want to know i just want to hear them say it you know it's a good theory it's a it's a great theory. Um, so that was out of that whole story and all of the important things that I could have taken away from it. My biggest question is: Are they digging tunnels with spoons underneath everyone's castles while they're visiting for winter court? I think yes. I think the answer is yes. Uh, what else is going on? The Mantis Clan claim Zakyotoshi, which I had never heard of, but apparently it's a big Ronin city, uh, part of the Unaligned Lands. The Mantis have decided that basically everything that's not claimed by a great clan is theirs, which is stretching their mandate very slightly. Uh, but when you don't have an emperor around to keep people in check, that's what happens. Um, the Mantis are just kind of genuinely on the warpath. To uh, uh, what's his name? Yoritomo's ambitions have basically no no check now without an emperor around to give him pause so he's just stomping around everywhere um attempting to claim everything that doesn't have that basically attempting to claim everything that's not nailed down in sight um Suruchi, his sort of right hand man uh the leader of the wasp is right there with him in this mission and he takes it even one step further and says it's not just lands that aren't claimed if you aren't using your land i can take that too um this is very much, Suruchi takes this this route of very much of like, if you're going to have a pet, it's a big responsibility. Yeah. And he is like that parent that's like, if you can't take care of it, you're not going to be allowed to have it. Um, and his definition of like taking care of their lands is very broad. Yeah. Yeah. So he starts out with the scorpion lands and that one, okay, that one I can see. The scorpion aren't. In their lands, they've been kicked out of the empire again. So that one, I, I mean, I'll give him that one. Right. But then he decides, 
Well, the lion lands are free to take since they're out doing war stuff and aren't in them, aren't, aren't using them at the moment, which is extremely specious. Uh, this falls, falls under that rule of finders v. keepers. Yeah. Uh, and then he goes one further and says, the crane lands are unaligned too. They were overrun by the Shadowlands, so the crane are clearly not being responsible in their maintenance of these lands. So I'm going to take these lands too. Oh, and come to think of it, the Phoenix are, there's just not enough of them to stop me. So I'm, I'm going to consider them not sufficiently protected and therefore not being taken care of. Um, I honestly, I fucking love it. It's so, he's just like, you know what? He's bold. It's, and I like yeah, it. Yeah, his, his definition of unaligned lands is, is there someone there to stop me? Right. He's the kind of person that it's like, oh, you're not home. You don't live here anymore. Yeah. Like. More or less. Um, it's the five second rule of clan lands, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, the Mantis, led by Yoritomo, not by Saruchi, um, and the Crane, led by my dude, Daidoji Uji, who is rapidly becoming one of my favorite characters in this arc. After his um, bro fest with Hida Oushi, um, his Tetsubo off with uh, Hida Oushi, which was pretty cool, um, they both lay claim to the right of the unoccupied Scorpion lands. Uh, after a few weeks, though, Uji withdraws from the Scorpion provinces, but apparently takes all the kids with him. So the crane end up protecting. I think we talked about this already. Yeah, we talked a little bit about the, the crane were protecting all of the scorpion children and Kachiko didn't give a fuck. Yeah. Um so the crane the crane end up protecting the scorpion children and the uh mantis end up with the lands. So yeah, that's the mantis basically just um eminent domaining all over the place. I love it. It's so good. I also really want to point out that if you notice that the first two that Saruchi decides he's in charge of are the scorpion and the lion uh because fuck them yep he's like mom dad i hate you now yeah now i'm in charge good i love suruchi <laughs> i un i i absolutely adore suruchi he's such a fucking baller he's such a cool dude uh are you ready to talk about what hitomi's doing yeah she's up to some nonsense she's doing great don't worry about it she's doing fine yep very good um yeah so let's Let's start here. Hitomi wants a pet snake. Who doesn't? I think that's really what all of this is about. She's like, you know what's extra as fuck? A pet snake. Yeah, it's very <laughs> so, it's very in keeping with her, her new, like, goth aesthetic, so. Yeah, yeah. She's like, wouldn't I look cool with a snake? So what does she do? She kidnaps a snake. She steals the Kazakh, who is the son of the Kamar, who is, like, the Naga leader. Yeah. Right? Um, And then forcibly tattoos him uh which completely cuts him off from the akasha which is like the weird snake hive mind i don't think that we've talked about the snake hive mind yet no it it doesn't get a lot of coverage early on i mean a little bit but yeah it's a big deal with the naga and it becomes a really serious part of their backstory so we should talk about it a little bit it's um I think it's Way of the Dragon is where I pulled this from. Um, but it's it's basically, like, it's their hive mind, but it also 
kind of acts as like their soul and their consciousness Mm -hmm. and all of that kind of stuff too. So being cut off from it is like basically renders them like into a coma almost, I guess. Like they are not Naga anymore. Yeah. The, it's like a, a central part of their personality. Yeah, the way I always read it, I always understood it was that the the Naga are individuals, but they participate in the Akasha in the sense that they're there's a it's sort of like a common consciousness of which they are a piece of. So by cutting out one individual, by by tattooing the Kazakh and cutting him off from the Akasha, she lessens lessened the akasha she took a piece of it out and reduced it um when the naga dies that sucks but the naga's soul is freed and goes back in and can be reborn but the kazakh is was cut off from the akasha and is therefore lost to the to the akasha yeah this this quote from uh way of the dragon or way of the naga i keep saying way of the dragon way of the naga um, says when a Naga is born, their soul is taken from the Akasha, a collection of thoughts, memories, and attitudes, which are chosen seemingly at random, a bucket of water from the collective pool. So it's, it's like they're continually being reborn into this like same pile of mm-hmm. consciousness. And so like being completely cut off from that also means that they can't be reborn. And, yes. Um, so needless to say, the Naga take this real bad. Soup's bad. Soup's bad. Um, and I'm sure that they were going to, like, eventually get around to dealing with all of this. But they're like, no, we got to do this now. Yeah. They were already pretty pissed off at Hitomi about some other stuff she's got going on, which we're going to talk about sooner rather than later. Um, but this is considered, like, an act of war for them. So they get their their little snake tails and gear and lay siege to the sleeping mountains aided by the brotherhood of Shinsei who also have uh, an investment in Hitomi's shit ending. Um, the brotherhood though is kind of reluctant to do that. Like originally they were not into what the Naga had going on. Um, in one of their letters, it says the Naga fight like men with something to hide. Each step they take into dragon mountains slaughters more of their people, but they do not seem to care genocide in the name of duty yeah i wasn't sure what to make of that um um can you do genocide on yourself yeah i don't know i don't know but it's but then it's like you know two letters later they're like yeah we're all fighting together yeah look at us go gotta get that hitomi um so i yeah i don't know what to make of that they they weren't for it and then they were yeah well i think probably having um snake centaur or dragon centaur boy show up probably changes their mind oh clearly um so the next little bit we got here about hitomi is a fun little little snippet uh back in Dragonlands, things are going pretty pretty bad in Dragonlands, and freaked out by all this weird behavior justifiably the agasha family who are a small family within the dragon um decide that they are going to leave the dragon and join the phoenix who are more than happy to embrace them having like no shugenja left um the only one of them who doesn't go is their daimyo agasha tamori um that's a name that is worth remembering because he'll be around and cause trouble quite a bit later on i'm sure it's fine 
Um, the Phoenix are so thrilled, in fact, to have them that they don't even make them change their names. They just give them a whole family under the Phoenix called the Agasha, and they make Agasha Ganai the master of air. They're like, here you go. We're switching your colors from green to orange. Welcome. Yeah. Uh, it, that I like to think of it as a big fuck you to the dragon, um, to Hitomi, to just be like, we're just going to, you even get to have to, you even have to keep calling them the Agasha. Everything's the same. They're just ours now. Yep. And they're so like desperate for yeah. anybody. They're like, sure, come on in. Yeah. You can have whatever you want. Um, in the meantime, yeah. Hitomi's just tattooing people all over the place. Uh, Shinjo Toshima is forcibly tattooed by the dragon and now is Hitomi Toshima. Um, Toshima is sent by uh, our one-time friend, Shinjo Shirasu, to check on what's going with, on with the dragon. There's some rumors going around about like the Togashi being kicked out and like being murdered and all that kind of stuff. And so they're like, we better go see what's up because we're the unicorn and we're in charge now. Um, it's official magistrate business. But then Toshima gets there and is like, I've seen the lady's truth. And it's like, you know what? Maybe I'll stay. I'm sure it's not Stockholm Syndrome at all. We should talk about what these tattoos are. They're gross is what they are. They're gross. So um, dragon tattoos are done with blood. God blood. Yeah. Technically like the blood of Tugashi originally. Um, Hitomi, having never gotten any kind of formal training for this and not having any kind of health code certificate or anything, is using her own gross, corrupted obsidian blood, um, which I'm sure is fine and is not going to make people sick at all. And, um, you know, these people have all signed consent forms. Uh, I'm sure they're all using gloves and they've sterilized the tools. It's great. I have gotten several tattoos, and I'm reasonably certain of two things. One... Uh, that using blood is a health code violation, and two, that that's not how tattoos work. I think maybe, though, if it's, like, god blood, it's probably fine. Like, Togashi did it and nobody ever got sick. Do we know if Togashi ever got sick? Probably not. I'm sure it's fine. I think, I think, dear listeners, here's a good Catholic joke. Uh, it's like my mom says that you can't get, you can't get sick when you're, um, drinking the wine at the Eucharist because you can't get sick from Jesus. So everybody can share the cup. It's fine. You won't get a cold. Don't worry about it. It's Jesus. So I think it's like that. Uh-huh. <laughs> June is not believing me. It's a very skeptical face right now. You can't get sick off Jesus. It's not how that works. It is. It's the blood of Christ, June. Uh, anyway... <laughs> right past that i'm not gonna touch that one with a 10 foot pole um i think that's how safe works. to say this is not a healthy this is not a healthy way to to give a tattoo i do not recommend it in your daily life or if you're looking to get a tattoo do not use someone else's blood even if they do tell you that their blood is the corrupted by obsidian or godlike in some way okay so here's the thing if someone was like, hey, Jude, would you like this cool corrupted blood tattoo? Tell me you would say no. I, I think I, I would. I need a little evidence first. <laughs> I like, like not a hard no. <laughs> I mean, 
Like, I would love a corrupted blood tattoo. Like, you have a brand. Yeah, I, I mean, I have blood mage in, like, every handle. I've, I mean, everywhere. So, I, I mean, I have, I'm obligated to take to in, at least to at least it. investigate the, the possibility that it would work. Yes. All right. <laughs> That's all I wanted to know. Hey, speaking of things that are corrupted and evil. Are we talking? Remember Kuni Yori? Yes, I do. Um, that weird faceless guy with the hand full of, pocket full of hands. There we go. I can do this. Um, he does just have pockets full of hands. He's a cool dude. But not a pocket full of face skin. I, well, he's got, I, but he is on a date with an Oni. <laughs> it's two Oni in a trench coat. Um, Kuni Yori, our good friend Kuni Yori, who... Never did anything wrong. Totally trustworthy. Kuniyori launches not one but two attempts to take back Kuden Haruma, um, which the crab have kind of taken back. It seems like they're holding it for now. Yeah, I mean they 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 took it back. But the thing that needs to be noted about Kuden Haruma is that it's way the fuck out in the Shadowlands. It's not like next door. It's not like within sight of the wall. It's way out in the Shadowlands. So that was a bold maneuver by by Yakimo. Um, dumb would be another way of putting it. Yeah, but you already said Yakimo, so that's like redundant. Fair. Um, so, yeah, it, it, they took it. They, they can occupy it all they want, but until they have like built a supply line and shit, that don't mean nothing. Which is what Yakimo has now learned, because while his father may have been an air quotes tactical genius, clearly Yakimo is not, since he's occupied this this castle with no way of like reprovisioning or establishing a baseline or a, a line of retreat back to the wall if need be. It should be pointed out though that Kuniyori has made these two attempts and they are not successful. These first two, he's got hordes of Shadowlands creatures at his disposal. And if they die, he can just, like, bring them back. He's got this, like, never-ending supply of grossness. And he used to be a crab. He should know their tactics. He should know what's up. Uh, However, he doesn't. But he's, like, he's making his inroads. And also, the crab had the Naga, but the Naga were, like, no... We're not sticking around. They didn't even like wait a long wait long enough for cable to be installed before they left. Yep. So the crab are now like surrounded by Yori and yep. dead friends. At the end of eleven thirty one, it gets worse when Yori starts thinking less like a crab and doing siege tactics and so forth, and more like a guy whose face got melted off after a date with Anoni and replaced it with a broken dinner plate and decides to use the skull of Fulang. Hey, remember that? Bet you wish you'd paid some more attention to that now, Yakimo, you turd. He uses the skull to resurrect Moto Tsume, who in turn gathers an army of undead Moto warriors. Um, I'm not sure what the fuck the point here is. Um, I don't know the how cavalry is going to help in a siege. But I think they it's... can get off their horses, you know. I mean, yes, but why could he have not like raised some siege engineers or an undead ballista? I'm just saying. Anyway, 
Because that's not a cool story. Fair. Um. Anyway. Uh. I want to talk about the fact that he still has this skull. Right? Because, like, the clan wars happened, like, ages ago. Right? The Day of Thunder was in, what, like, 1128? Something like that. It's 1131. Yeah, it's been, like, three years. We've discussed the fact when we talked about gross undead by Yushi Shoju. They don't have freezers. Nope. Where is he keeping this skull? Well, I'm assuming it's like, a skull now. It doesn't say, like, the head of Fulai. I know, but, like, here's the thing. Like, it had to be a head originally. Mm-hmm. So, like, unless Kuniyori is extensively trained in taxidermy, I have questions. I think the answer to your question is he ate it. I have to go throw up now. You think he would just leave, like, the flesh and organ meat of his god laying around somewhere? To- would you eat the flesh of your god? I say having just talked about being raised Catholic. <laughs> I think you answered your own question. <laughs> Damn it, I did. As I was saying that, I was like, wait a minute, hold up, back up. You're right. Good on you, Kuniyori. But he probably didn't get a cold, did he, Jim? <laughs> I think he probably so got maybe, a lot you worse. Have you seen his face? You know what? I think I answered my own question. It's probably not gross because it's a god. Um, Shadowlands letter number three has a really good quote that confused me. Um, I think I'm the one that put this in here. I did because I love this quote. And that's right. And I commented that it makes no damn sense. The eternal secret is that death has no power. It is not eternal. I don't understand what about that doesn't make sense. The point is death is not permanent. Uh, and I just like it. Yeah, it's a good quote. I, I guess I was thinking, oh, okay, I see. It's the, the death is not eternal. I, I thought it was referring to the secret not being eternal. I thought it was count- contradictory. Yeah, I mean, they could have found a, a better word than eternal there. Yeah, I, I suppose uh, expecting high po- high prose out of the writers of L5R is asking for a lot. So despite the fact that cavalry is fucking pointless in a siege and he is all walled up, I guess seeing guys on horses scares Yakimo. Maybe Yakimo's afraid of horses. I don't know. Well, maybe he hasn't seen like unicorn horses before. I mean... Those are like big war horses. Fair. And these ones are scary. Anyway. Can you imagine Casada on a horse? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Let me give you the answer. Um, he decides, I guess, this is the point at which I guess I should ask for help. So he sends runners back to the wall for supplies and reinforcements, which I feel like he should have done before the unicorn had caval- had undead cavalry. I want to point out why this is stupid. Shockingly, none of these runners make it back to the wall. Maybe because now Yori has undead horses that don't get tired to chase down his guys running on their little human feet, trying to chase, outrun the undead horses. I mean, do do you see where I'm going with this? Well, I don't know because I don't really care about horses. I think maybe we need to get Steph in here to (laughs) analyze the horse situation. (laughs) This is Steph, our guest horse analyst. Right. I think that's a good idea. We could ask her. Yeah, no, it doesn't make any sense. It, it doesn't. I just think it's insane. But again, Yakumo is not the tactical genius that his father was. So. They're going to they're going to do great. It's in- the, the part that I love is that once again, everyone is saved by some rat people. Yeah. That should be a segment, too. Who do the rat people save this time? Um, the crab managed to survive, quote, through a combination of resourcefulness, determination, 
luck, and the aid of third whisker Nazumi. Why? Why do these rat people keep helping the jerks? Yeah, I don't know. Because people like the ratlings for some reason. Why? L5R players, help me understand this. Why? Yep. Um, this doesn't happen just yet, but as a preview of good things to come, uh, Yakimo will decide that the Jade Hand is going to help him do what the runners couldn't do, and that is survive to get to the wall to get help. And he's going to try and run out and get that help, but it won't help him, and he's going to die. So that's something to look forward to. <laughs> uh, it's time for Jude's new segment, Who's Missing a Face? That's right. I think we should get some like sweet game show music to go under that. Yeah. I think we just like need to like sing the Muppet Show theme there, because we were pretty close. Yeah, right? All right. So, who's missing the face? In Hidden Emperor, particularly particularly these early stories are full of teases about the nothing, the shadow, uh, mostly via people ending up having no faces. This is sort of the hallmark of how the shadow operates. Um, These stories don't really fit anywhere else, so we'll be mentioning them here as a kind of record to show how the momentum for the whole nothing plot is building. Our inaugural mention here is from Phoenix Clan Letter Number 9, in which Nakakuro shows up for the first time. Nakakuro is the Grandmaster of the Elements. He's a former phoenix who became all super enlightened and became uh, a master of all of the elements, not just one of them. Um, oh my god. Right. Are you fucking kidding? It was like, like turbocharged elemental master? Like, this is terrible. Yeah. This might be worse than the elemental terrors. Yeah, no, he's, he's, he's pretty impressive. Um, he has returned to Phoenix lands from being off doing magic stuff somewhere else, um, trying to refill the elemental council and finding what's left of the Phoenix utterly underwhelming. Uh, he's looking for Shugenja other places. Uh, while he's there, he discovers hints of some new malign force which disturbs the elements. He speaks to his trusted assistant about it, and when he looks at his assistant, the man's face disappears, and then he vanishes in smoke and shadow. Spooky. Spooky. Ooh. Yeah, that's it. I'm sure that's fine. Um, so this is one of the first hints, uh, like not hints, but like explicit descriptions of the way that the the nothing presents itself as a faceless figure that moves in shadow and smoke and things like that. Um, we'll see more mentions of that in the future. So we'll be calling them out like that. This weekend, you did this to yourselves. Our tournament decision section. Uh, we have a real weird one. Super weird. That I. It's super weird. Um, identity of a spy. So here's the thing about this one. I don't understand what it did. Um, maybe I will later. Jude, will I later? Nope. Will I understand? Not that I know of. Okay. I, yeah, this one's a mystery to me too. I'm sure someone will correct us and you know what? I'm not going to apologize. So there are peasants. They're trying to talk about the Colot. We're trying to figure out who Colot agents are. Let's have a tournament. Is this the actual, like, quote from the... Yeah, this text here is the actual oh. quote from the tournament. So you got to read it because it's, it's a thing. While peasants whisper of, of Kolot and nobles tell fables of the ninja, no Rokugani will dispute that there's no such thing as spies. Spies, infiltrators, and traitors have been used by the great clans since the first kami created the houses. 
Spies are not creatures of myth, but members of their, of our own houses, close to our hearts with knives and whispers to tell our secrets to our enemies. One of the clans has the foremost Kenshu Supai, spy master, in the empire, and his greatest achievement is to have placed a spy in another of the great clans. The winner of this tournament has the spy master and has a well-placed spy in the second place clan. Why? Yeah, it seems an unnecessarily weird complication. Like, I don't know. I feel like they were trying to add an, a new cool role, but I've never heard of this Kenshu Supai role being used ever again. Um, the This was a tournament that was held uh, Strategicon. This was another one of those LA tournaments that was held like down the street, basically from AEG's offices. Um, the winner was uh, a Lion Clan player, or no, sorry, a Crane Clan player. No, I have that backwards. It was a uh, Lion Clan player, and the second place was a Crane Clan. So Daidoji Osin was revealed to be actually a Lion Clan spy, Kitsu Osin. Um, There's a card yep. um, for Kitsu Osin. And then um, actually experienced this is the experienced version of Daidoji Osun, yep, right? Yep. Uh, there's also a weird random fiction that like yeah, it's called a. S- it felt yeah so out of place. It's called a syllable of time. It's it's a it's well written. It's interesting. Uh, I don't understand what was happening um, until I saw this tournament decision. And I was like, oh, that's why the story is here. Uh, Osun has a wife who decides to kill herself with poison because she is pregnant and will not bear the child of a lion. It's it's dark. It's real dark. It's real dark. Yeah. And that's that's what you get from that tournament. You get a card and you get a dead pregnant lady. Yep. Uh which honestly is is uh more than you get for a lot of store a lot of tournament results, especially later on. Um yeah, because later on, like, aren't there just like a ton of tournaments and they're just oh, not man. Really that important? So many. There were sometimes t- towards the end of like Emperor Edition where you'd get Celestial Edition and Emperor Edition where you get like four tournament results crammed into one story. Ugh. Yeah. At that point, aren't you just like picking things out of a salad bowl? Like, kind of. Yeah, you'd have like. You just like wrote a bunch of stuff on scraps of paper and now we're going to make a story out of it. Well, it would be things like. This character killed an o this thing, and this character helped defeat this thing, and so you'd have a story where, like, you know, all these characters are fighting this thing, and they'd find a way to make all these storyline results kind of like combine into one big fight or something like that. And you like don't understand why Abraham Lincoln and Captain Kirk are both there. More or less, there was the one I'm <laughs> thinking of is there was one where Gaku, which is a Shadowlands goblin card, was picked to defeat. Um, a soup like an oni, basically. Okay. Um, like a basically a god beast. So, and he it was a completely shenanigans, like a joke choice, basically. So they had to somehow work that into uh, this epic fiction where all these like samurai were defeating these these monsters and trying to save the empire, and one of them was a goblin that like took down this god beast. You did this to yourselves. Yeah, I'm looking forward to, to, to reading that fiction. Who boy. On that happy note. Right. Uh, that's it for this week. Um, we'll be back in two weeks to talk about 
the Phoenix doing real bad, but maybe finally getting an elemental cancel? Maybe. Maybe? Huh? I hope not. I like it when they're a mess and failing. Ouch. Don't worry. Even if they do pick themselves back up, I'm sure they'll blow it again soon in the future. Don't worry. We'll find a different way to fuck it up. <laughs> Garbage of the Five Rings is an independent production and can be found online at www.garbageofthefiverings.com and on Twitter at G5R Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Amelia Antrim, and I can be found on Twitter at Ginger Reckoning. My co-host, Jude Vase, can be found on Twitter at Aramidic Jude. Sources for this episode and further information on the topics discussed can be found in the show notes. Thanks for letting us waste your time. We'll be back in two weeks. 